What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Weekly D Show, where the D stands for Deep Dives with Dalton. I'm your host, Dalton Leno, and I'm coming at you with another episode this week. We have another interview episode for you guys. You do not have to listen to me ramble on about some random thought that I have in my head, which is probably good for you guys. So I'm excited to bring you this episode. Uh, Before we dive into this, though, thank you for tuning in. Um, If you guys aren't already following me on Instagram, head over there and give me a follow, dlano.93. I'll drop all the episodes there. Um, If you guys aren't subscribed to the Weekly D Show on your podcast platforms, head on over there, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. And then lastly, if you guys want to join my newsletter, you can do so through the link in the bio on Instagram or through the show notes. I'll give you the 3D Sunday where you get a dynamic resource, a deep thought, um, and a developing question. So let's get into it. I'm super pumped to have Jess Masais on the show today. He is a physiotherapist and business owner of Dynamics Physio in Montreal, Quebec. I know he's a listener in support of the show, which I'm super thankful for, and I'm pumped to have him on for a conversation today. Jess, welcome to the show. Dalton, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Super happy to be here. I will just make the correction right off the bat. Business director, not, not the owner. I'm a director of the business. I feel some days like I am the owner and a lot of the burden is on me, um, all in a good way, but I want to make that quick correction there, uh, you know, just, just before yeah. we get started. It's important. That's important semantics. <laughs> what, okay. So let's, let's dive in there then. What is like yeah. the director role mean for you in comparison to let's say being the owner? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been, I've been with Dynamics since before it was called Dynamics. I've I've been there since we were sitting around a board table, uh, a boardroom table, I should say, four or five of us about three years ago. Um, there was a space that was available, um, and the owners of the business had took it upon themselves to consult a couple health and wellness professionals in our area. Um, so myself as a physiotherapist, a couple of kinesiologists brought us around the table and said, hey, we've got this space. We've got this idea for a fitness or rehab something. You know, Give us your best ideas. And, and for about a year, this group of us, we met every single week. We brainstormed. We spoke about our experiences. And that kind of led to the creation of Dynamics. Um, so, you know, I guess my, my role as a director has maybe been a little bit unique, uh, in the sense that I feel some days or a lot of days, like I, like it is my business because I have been there from the beginning, um, and have, you know, been a part of every conversation about every detail and you guys would know, but when, when you guys were building out your clinic, I've been a part of every decision, like how high should the counters be and what colors should the walls be and where should we get our equipment from and what type of rubber floor and should it be half an inch or three quarter inch, all that stuff, all of those decisions I have played a, uh, an active role in, which has been incredible because as someone who always aspired to be a business owner and to have a team and to have a product and a service. Um, I've, I had the opportunity to watch something literally be built from the ground up. Um, So, you know, my day to day as a director is of course uh, managing a team and making sure this facility runs the way we imagine it, it to, to, you know, being the one who subs in for a receptionist when they call in because they're sick. Um, It's, my role, I don't know how it compares to other directors of other businesses, but it's been literally anything and everything. Um, and I say that with the utmost positivity because, you know, I, I, I have a short attention span. So doing 40 hours of the exact same thing every week wouldn't fly for me. So having this opportunity to just do anything that comes, you know, that comes in front of me, that's on my plate is, is a great time. So Maybe that kind of summarizes what, what being a director is at, uh, at Dynamics. Sounds a lot like what I do on a day-to-day basis, man. <laughs> it's like, someone's like, oh, this uh, this billing isn't working. Do you know what to do? And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, yeah, before we jump into, I think that's a big part of what I want to talk today. Because obviously, you know, being in the health space right now um, with the current situation going on in the world has been... Um, a bit tricky and uncertain. And and I think we can dive into that. But before we do that, I'd be curious to just hear a little bit about you, maybe like what led you into the health space and and being a Mm -hmm. physio and a, and a strength coach and um, a little bit about like the early days of Jess. For sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, for me, when I left high school, um, going into science was, was a, was a no brainer. Um, 
And I don't think I ever really weighed up my options. I was just always into kind of like math and science in high school. And like, I wouldn't tell my friends that because, um, you know, I think they'd beat me up if I ever said, yeah, you guys don't love math class as much as I do. Um, but I always kind of enjoyed that stuff. And, and I always had the idea that, yeah, I'd go into sciences and the whole, you know, the old expression, it keeps all your doors open. And at least that's what, that's what uh, they, they, they say in the, the Montreal community. But um, early days, you know, I was thinking medical school, dental school, what it was. And I realized that I really liked the idea of working long-term with people and kind of helping people reach a certain goal or, or improve upon their life in a certain way. And I realized that, you know, in addition to my passion for sports and being around the hockey arenas my whole life and playing rugby and, and all that stuff, um, I realized that there was something about the, the, the scientific side of sports that was really of interest to me. Um, and I knew if I wanted to work with people long-term, um, there are many ways to, you know, to feel rewarded by helping people but long-term working with people for weeks, if not months, if not multiple times doing that, um, physio was an amazing way to do that. Physical therapy, physiotherapy, depending on where you are. Um, so that's kind of what led me there. Admittedly, my first day um, of my physiotherapy degree, I literally had no idea that cardiorespiratory was a type of physio or that neurophysio existed. So I'm literally going to school thinking I'm about to learn about deadlifts and squats and lunges and I'm going into a cardio class and I'm, I'm like a deer in headlights there. Um, but it gave me even more of an appreciation for what it is. And it made me recognize, you know, I went into this because I wanted to help people in some way. This made me realize, wow, there are even more ways that I could be able to help people with this degree. So that's kind of how I got into it. And, you know, the, the sports rehab space was definitely where I saw myself being, despite my appreciation for like neurological rehab and, and cardio rehab. Um, and then I think like a lot of people, you kind of just go down a path and a door opens here or a door opens there and you, you just follow it because, you know, the sky's the limit and you're 22 years old and who knows what could happen. And then you end up where you are and you just got to make the most out of all these opportunities as they come. Yeah, no. And, and I, I agree with you in the sense like physio is such a great platform to do exactly what you're doing. And I think early on when I was going into it, <clears throat> I knew that it was something I wanted to do, but I didn't really realize the broad, um, spectrum that I could have influence on. And as I started to go through the physio school and see, it started to show like I could combine my interest for, you know, education by doing, you know, podcasts or doing content, um, you know, could, could do co like a, a coaching role as a physio, like a big part of what we do is, is coach our clients and, and kind of bring them through the experience. And then, you know, lastly, obviously incorporating like exercise, that was something that was super important to me. And it kind of just started to develop and realize that I could take all three of those things that I was interested in, combine them into one. And I think physio um, is a great platform for that. A hundred percent. And, you know, I, I have this tendency to start answering a question and I forget what the question even was, um, but I kind of just take the thoughts that come to mind and connect them and hope that I actually answer the question. But the, the communication and the education point of, of what we do I think, you know, it's probably like a personality trait in a way um, where I've always enjoyed the idea of being the advice provider to people um, for better or for worse, sometimes completely out of my scope of knowledge, just like, yeah, I'm the guy that gives advice. So I'm going to give you advice, but um, to be able to do it professionally and to be able to have that responsibility to keep up with the latest research and to know what's going on and to know about all the fads, you know, that are going on in gyms or in rehab that I don't necessarily read so much about, but you need to know about them because people are going to ask you about them. Um, it, it like, it really is, it really is a reward or a gift for myself to be able to be in this position to help people through things that I'm just interested in. And my friends, you know, would tell you that they'll ask me a simple question, like, should I do eight reps or nine reps? And I'll go off on a 30 minute tangent telling them why they should do one or the other, or it doesn't really matter. Um, and to them, it's, you know, just me being annoying. They don't realize that they're getting like professional advice on, on something that, you know, I spend a lot of time learning about maybe not eight versus nine, but I think you get the point. So yeah, that education piece is huge. And, you know, if we take this out of the clinical realm or the physio realm, I think any, you know, expert or someone who delivers a product or a service in any capacity 
is in that educational role. It has to be there to educate people or to, you know, to even tell the story of why what I'm saying has value or why this matters or why should you should do this and not that. Um, so I think the physio world is just like one place where we can educate people. Um, but education is a huge responsibility. And it's something that we have to take very seriously because, you know, I put my polo on and, and people listen to what I have to say and, and for better or for worse, like take it to heart and usually for better. Um, but we've got to be careful with our words as we all know. And yeah. Where did the drive to like help others come from? I, I, I've got to say it definitely came from two main areas. Primarily it came from my parents. Um, my parents always worked as part of teams, um, managed teams in a sense. Um, for my sisters and I, they always, always made it clear from a very young age the import, how important charitable work was and how important giving back was and making it a priority in our lives where, you know, we, when, when something is a priority, you don't even think twice about it. It's like my, if I look at a, a, a snapshot of a month of my life, it would be weird if there wasn't some sort of charitable venture going on at some point during that. So they all, I always found it important that I would be able to help others in some capacity. So I think that part, you know, that would have inspired it. And um, I had seen the, you know, the work that my parents had done in the community through different organizations and charities. So I think it was, there, there was no chance that that wouldn't be a part of my life in some way. Um, and then I would say the other main area would be playing team sports. Um, I like, I, you know, I think about my future children, hopefully one day, and I hope that they'll want to play team sports, or I hope that I make the decision to put them into team sports. Cause I think what you learn doing that, you know, playing a sport and you've got your 10 or 20 brothers and sisters by your side, and you're willing to do anything for them and for the team and to help them. Um, I think that's probably something that I've carried with me into the business world. Um, I love, I, I don't call our team staff or employees. Every email to the team is addressed, hey team. Um, and I think that's just something that I'll carry with me forever because that's what I was born in. I was at the, you know, at the hockey rink five nights a week for the, for the first 15 years of my life. And I don't know anything other than team and, and supporting the people that are by my side or supporting the people at, you know, on the other side of the table at some sort of charitable event. So that's probably where it came from. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would say I'm very similar in that sense as to where my drive to help other people come from. Definitely from my parents. And obviously I, I also played a lot of team sports. And I think as I kind of went through that, I started to realize like, Hey, you know, like I'm good, but I'm not like the superstar and all that stuff. So I always enjoy taking that, like more of like a, a leadership role or like kind of like that locker room guy. That's always just like trying to bring people together or, or get people just excited about it. And I always, for some reason, I always loved seeing like my teammates do really, really well. Like obviously I'd want success for myself, but there's just nothing better to see like some of your other teammates like succeed. And I think a lot of that definitely translates over um, to the reason why like, you know, I want to help people and obviously part of a team now with what we're doing um, at the movement, but yeah, very similar on my end. Yeah. What? So you were, you were a glue, you were a glue guy on the sidelines. That's yeah. What we call it in hockey. Yeah. The glue guy. So I wasn't just on the sidelines. I don't want to discredit <laughs> myself that much. Like I was, I was yeah. in the game. However, I wasn't the guy putting up all the stats, but I Sorry. did my, I did my job. I did it well. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it that way. I just meant, in, cause I was going to say in the, in the dressing room, cause in hockey, everything happens in the dressing room. So in football is yeah. like, uh, I guess the sidelines, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I hear you. I hear um, you. I'll take your word for it. Translating like what you're talking about into, let's say now, like coming back to your role as like the, uh, the business director, um, what have you learned about being in a leadership role um, that maybe has changed, like just maybe the way that you operate or the way that you view teams? It's, it's, it's a really good question. I was actually having a conversation with a friend yesterday. We were on a, a long bike ride through Montreal and uh, we were talking about that, you know, cause he's also in more of like a managerial managerial. <laughs> he's a manager or director of his business. And we were kind of talking about the things that we've learned in these leadership roles. Cause like, I'm still a young guy. Like, I don't know how old you think I'm, I'm 29 years old. Uh, I definitely don't have everything all figured out and I'm just taking it day by day learning as I go. 
Um, I think a huge, huge, I, I, I guess part of my answer to that would be in terms of what I'm learning is um, you're not always going to have the answers for everything, but you're still going to have people asking you the questions. So you still have to be able to provide the next best answer. Um, and on that, there's nothing wrong with you saying, well, what do you think? Well, you know, and, and showing your, your team member that you trust their judgment. And it's not just about, you know, what the guy or girl at the top thinks, but you were brought here, you were hired to be a part of this team. Um, you, you know, you earn a salary as a, as the team member here, your, your opinion is, I'm going to say, if it's about your realm, it's probably more valuable than mine is. Right. So don't be, don't be fooled by the fact that I've been here longer than you, or that I have more experience because experience is very general and, and it, you know, it's very specific as well. I have a lot of experience in total, but I have very ex little experience as our registered dietitian, right? So there's not a whole lot that I could provide there. So if, if I've learned anything, it's about like showing your team that you trust them. And I think in turn that brings out even better ideas and better decisions from them because they're not just coming to you with like version one, oh, well, Jess is going to shut it down anyway and he's going to give me the answer. So why put thought into it? But if you show them that, hey, yeah, go love it, run with it, they might come to you the next time with like version 3.5 where they've thought about it and iterated and brought to you something like, hey, I want to run with this, just want your final approval, go for it. Right. And now you're, you're in a position where a, there's less burden on me. There's less work, like literal work for me to do. And, uh, and, and, and the second thing is that now we've got a better outcome, a better product and the whole team benefits from the fact that I guess that relinquishing of control, uh, which can be really hard. And, and I think you guys, um, have probably experienced that. And as your team grows, will experience it you picture the movement being a certain way in your mind, in your dreams, when you're asleep, in your conversations, when the next person comes on board that you hire, whether it be another physio or receptionist, whatever it may be, you feel like, at least you might feel like you need to do the work for them so that the movement remains the way that you imagined it. Um, but it's so much more fulfilling to let them run with it and their personality that you, you made the choice to bring them on board. No one handcuffed you and told them you have to hire this person, right? You made that choice. So letting them run with it, letting them put their own spin on your mission, vision, and values. I think that's huge. And talk about empowering our patients. What about empowering our, our team members and making them feel like every day is a win in a certain way and, and that they're accomplishing something um, every time they step into the gym or the clinic or whatever it is. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And I think it's a, it's a challenging thing to do to like relinquish that control, obviously, because you have this vision, like you're saying in your head of what you want it to be. And I think it doesn't even have to be your own business. It can be any team that you're part of. If you are in a leadership role, you obviously want to see them have, see that team have success and push them in the direction that, that you view as the right way. But to, to kind of give that control up can be challenging. Um, and I think it comes back to, you kind of touched on like mission, vision, values. Um, and I think what we, we've tried to do is really establish what those are um, and really know them so that when we do go to bring other people onto the team, um, we're bringing people on that align with those so that we can feel comfortable with, you know, um, relinquishing that control because we're confident that they're going to understand that they, we want them to take it in this approach because it aligns with what our values are. Um, so I feel like that is probably one of the bigger, the harder things. And I think that's on us as leaders to make sure that those are established to be able to then dictate, dictate to that, to our team members. Yeah. I, I heard at a, I think it was like a big business building mentorship or some sort of a, a day conference that I was at a couple of years ago. And I don't want to say who said it because I might get it wrong. And then it's just weird. But someone said like your ideal, first of all, that is the biggest jug of water I've ever seen in my I entire know, life. You got to get it in. <laughs> oh my God. That's incredible. <laughs> that's, inc that's an entire cooler. Um, so what he said was, your, your ideal as a business owner or as a business director, whatever it is, is for one day to be able to write an employee onboarding manual that literally has one line that says, don't be an idiot. Because you want to have a team that is with it enough 
and has the freedom to make decisions on the fly and has the ability to do things without passing off by you and is smart enough to know that there are certain things that you don't talk about around clients or that you shouldn't, uh, I don't know, like you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't have six beers before coming to work. Like he said, if you can write, just don't be an idiot in your employee manual, you have the perfect team because it gives people the freedom to do whatever they feel like is the best decision. And you've given them the opportunity to make those best decisions and decisions, and they don't want to let you down. And, you know, it's, it, it's funny and maybe a little bit silly to think about it, but the more I our onboarding manual is like four pages long. And I'm like, I feel like a lot of the stuff I'm writing here is obvious, but if it's not obvious and the person doesn't know that you shouldn't have a six pack before coming to work, if they do, it's on me, you know what I mean? Little things like that. Um, but yeah, it's, relinquishing that control and taking advantage uh, of the people that you brought on, not, you know what I mean? Like taking advantage of their smarts and their intelligence. And they know about a lot of stuff that I don't know, you know, the same way that I might know about stuff that they don't know. And it's always a mutual learning experience um, for me to take this opportunity as, as a team leader and think that I'm the only one that's going to be teaching and they're the only ones that are going to be learning would be silly. It would be short-sighted. It would be uh, a, a massively missed opportunity because my coaches have all taken courses that I haven't. And, you know, why is what they've learned about less valuable than what I've learned about and plan to teach them? So, I, you know, I, I see this leadership role as something that is, it's certainly not for everyone. Um, you know, it works with my personality because I like the idea of doing different things every day and being called in to uh, figure out why the plumbing isn't working. And I know literally nothing about plumbing, but it's my job to figure it out. Um, and if anyone's from work is listening, they know that I would not be the person to figure out the plumbing. <laughs> that's, a, but that's a different story. But yeah, it's, it's not for everyone. But for whoever does go down that leadership route, um, it's incredibly rewarding to be able to just have a team that you can bounce ideas off of and that you can trust with things and that mission, vision, and values, as long as they understand it and are bought into it um, and are on board with it, the world is their oyster because I can take the same mission and two people can make it happen in two completely different ways, both equally as good. You have to let it happen, right? Yeah. And I mean, I th- and we're talking about it in the context of, context of owning a business or, or a team, but like, I think leadership is something that can be scaled to any situation, right? Whether you're in a family, whether you're on a team, whether you're a business owner. Um, I'd be curious to hear what is, what is one area within, let's say, the realm of leadership that you feel like you're trying to improve on or could improve on? Um, you know, without repeating myself too much is it's that relinquishing of control and, and, and trusting people um, and trusting people beyond just being able to say like, I trust you, but showing it in the, in the way that um, I work with them. Um, But without kind of harping on that too much, I, I guess something else would be putting out that product or putting out that feature or launching that thing within the business before it's perfect. Um, without making a thousand drafts or a thousand versions of that thing. Um, and I guess something that I've, I've had the opportunity to learn about over the last year and a bit throughout this whole COVID, COVID-19 pandemic um, is I took the liberty to kind of learn more about business and marketing and startups and all that stuff outside of just the fitness world, which is where my, my learning and reading was very concentrated for a few years. And I'm just, you know, on Twitter, for example, the people that I follow there, maybe I follow a couple people in the physio space, but for the most part, they're like venture capitalists in, in, in California and in Miami and in Texas. And they talk about such interesting things there. And, and one main lesson that I've picked up from a lot of them is, you know, consistency is everything. Um, you're never going to get something right on day one or nothing that is gonna change the world is gonna be perfect on day one, but you don't get to day 100 if there is no day one. You don't get to day 100 if you don't just hit the launch button and just do it. Um, you have to trust your, your, your judgment, your own intelligence and knowledge. You have to create this idea or this product. For us, it was like semi-private training. That was something that we kind of productized in our facility. Um, it could be online training or online coaching that you guys might be providing at, at the movement or, or something that I started doing recently. And it's just being okay with the idea that, hey, I'm going to put something out there 
that isn't going to be perfect. And that's okay because A, it's still going to help someone. And B, this is going to give me an opportunity to learn how I can improve upon it. But if I never put it out there in the first place, yeah, I might make improvements to it, but are they really improvements if I don't see how they're impacting the people that it's it's supposed to serve? So I would say that, you know, and, and that can be scaled to an email that I might draft and then redraft and then redraft and then redraft. And, you know, again, maybe it's a personality thing, but when I look at version five of the email versus version one, yeah, it's like a little bit better. Would it have been so bad if I put out version one and that was it and I saved 20 minutes? Most likely not, right? So I think in the in the um, pursuit of optimizing our time and optimizing our energy and our, and our skill set, um, just putting the thing out there is really something that I'm trying to do this year and then doubling down on it. Because also once it's out there, you have the responsibility to keep on going. Um, once you put out that first episode of the podcast and open by saying this is going to be a weekly podcast, you know that in six days from now, you better be putting out that second episode because otherwise, yeah. you know, maybe you're not letting anyone down. Maybe you're letting yourself down. Is it embarrassing? Who knows? Whatever. I don't want to put attach words to it, but there's now a responsibility. And the first episode's not going to be great. Usually not. Um, the hundredth is going to be a lot better. And you're going to say, wow, I can't believe we put that out there. But if you didn't put that out there, you never would have got to where you are now. No, that's so true. And I, I think as a as someone in a leadership position, like having other people within the team see someone who's at the, uh, let's say, quote unquote, higher position, be, being willing to do that can really encourage them to also take that step and put something out there or not be so caught up in the paralysis by analysis thing. So um, I like that. It's a, it's a good thought. Um, you know, because you're, you're so vulnerable enough to say something that you need to work on. I'm going to dive into something that uh, I, I've been working on it. And I'm curious to hear your thought on it as well as like, um, you know, I've always have viewed this idea of before you can really lead others, you need to like be able to lead yourself. And like, you know, I've, I've read books like Jocko Willick's book, extreme ownership and all that kind of stuff. And something I've really tried to do within the last year is really like work on myself and, and, you know, do the things that I'm going to say that I'm going to do before I can try and make other people do things or, or speak to them. Um, but what I'm starting to, to realize now is that, or, or focus on now is how do I transfer that to other people within my, my business or within my life that can allow them to now also level up their life. And I think that's when you kind of hit that true leadership status, when you can not only do it for yourself, but you can bring others along. And I think that's something that I currently struggle with in terms of trying to figure out the best way to do that, because you also just don't want to be telling people to do something because we know that that doesn't work. Right. So it's kind of a, a fine line. And then I come, sometimes can get a little bit of like that, I don't know if it's imposter syndrome, but be like, well, why am I, who am I to tell this person or give them thoughts on this? If, am I even doing enough? You know what I mean? So like, that's kind of where my struggle is right now. Yeah. I, I guess it comes back to that, that idea of, of being able to elevate people. Um, the idea is great and we all want to do it, but the how that's, I, I would agree with you, Dalton. Like, I think I struggle with that same how, because um, first of all, everyone, everyone, every single person I work with has a different personality type and will respond differently to different things and has a different, you know, life at home and different circumstances. So a one size fits all approach definitely doesn't work. You do need to find a way to get through to people. And I think the best leaders are the people that know how to connect with different personalities and different types of people. And, and, and that is a skill in itself. Right. And I, you know, I went through through high school. I went through Quebec's like mini college system. It's called CJEP. I went to university. I never once had a course teach me about leadership. And I think that's a missed opportunity because leadership is a skill. It is a skill set that people need in their jobs the same way that they need to know how to do calculus or what you know the human anatomy is. Um, so being able to do that is incredible. But you know, coming back to your imposter syndrome thing, uh, for sure. Um, I mean, like, who would I be to say, I think if you don't feel, I think if you don't feel it, then you don't realize how much there is that you don't know. And, and that's a whole other story. And um, there's this, 
there's this guy that I follow on the internet. His name is David Perel. He, uh, he's a writer and he actually has an online writing school. It's called Write of Passage. It's really cool. I listen to a lot of his podcasts and he has great, great interviews. And someone in an open Q&A once asked him like something, something about imposter syndrome. And he went on like this two minute tangent, um, like almost in an angry way, talking about how we're all imposters. We are all just feeding off what the person right before us did, right? The fact that we can have this conversation over Zoom means we are taking advantage of the person that invented the laptop and the microphone and the camera. And then we're taking advantage of the fact that like light exists, right? So he's saying we're, we're all imposters because we're all just iterating the, the, the last thing that just came before us. So if we all feel like who are we to be using these laptops to do this, it's silly, right? Because we're here because we have a, a certain knowledge and things we want to talk about. And yeah, maybe we are imposters, but if we, if we put it out there and someone gets value from it, even one person, then was I, you know, am I really an imposter? Am I really, you know, the, the person that, who are you to put out something? Cause if, if our goal is to help someone and it helps literally one person, um, I don't think I'm an imposter anymore. I, I think I've, I've achieved that thing, but I think imposter syndrome follows you forever because you there's always you always realize that there's something that you don't know. And then you're like, well, I'm not as good as that next guy or girl who does know that thing. But I think that's just growth and, and life. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I love it. I think that's a great way to uh, to think about it. And you touched on and I do want to dive into this. We, we, we touched a bit of it, bit about it on our other podcast that we did with you, um, the PT Coffee Cast. But um, talking about those three words, I don't know. Um, I'd be curious to dive into that and just hear like how that's kind of changed maybe the way that you think about things, um, whether it be within the health space or just in general in life. The, the best effect of being able to more confidently, it's funny, it's, it's a paradox in a sense. I am more confidently able to say, I don't know. Um, and I have literally since that podcast, I have one of the things that I've tried to work on is exactly that, like being able to say, I don't know when I just don't know, or when I'm not very confident in what I have to say. Um, it, coming back to that podcast that we did, you know, people are coming to us for, for expert guidance and saying, I don't know, there's, there's like this weird expectation that we actually should know literally anything and everything under the sun because um, I am being paid to give you information and therefore how could you not know? I would say the best effect of saying, I don't know more often, and I'll, I'll tie it into the clinic more so, is my sessions feel so much more relaxed in a sense. And like there's this burden that's been taken off my shoulders and that there's this pressure that doesn't exist to the same extreme because being able to confidently say, you know what, your shoulder didn't get better this week. Um, rather than chalking it up to some sort of post hoc reasoning that I can come up with on the fly, I have no idea why I didn't get better. And maybe I wouldn't voice it in this way, but I don't know why I didn't get better. You know, we go through highs and we go through lows and maybe it was the guarding that you did, or maybe it was reaching for that dish in the top shelf and you don't usually do that. I don't know. I can make my best judgment, but whether or not I give you a response a, it's, it's not coming from a place of much confidence and B, like, what difference does it make if, if, if we know, it, you know, the odds are we're not going to know exactly why your shoulder doesn't feel great today. So well, I guess what I'm trying to get to is the fact that it's allowed me to take pressure off of myself and not the same way people, I, I felt like people were expecting me to have all the answers. I've now stopped expecting myself to have all the answers um, and being exposed to these people on Twitter that I was telling you about, these people that have super successful startups and tech companies or whatever, and seeing how much they know, it's like, yeah, like it's all right that I don't know everything because I don't have as much life experience and business experience as that person. Just because you slap a title on my back that says director or, or lead physio or whatever it is, doesn't mean that's come with, you know, 10 years worth of experience doing that. You know, I'm like a junior director, if you want to, if you want to say in that way, where I'm in a position where I have certain responsibilities, but, um, am I, was I brought in cause I'm the goat, like the greatest of all time director? Like, no, I was brought in because I had passion for what I do and because I had ideas and because I was in the right place at the right time with the right people. 
And now I have a title or an expectation to live up to, but knowing that I'm not at those expectations and knowing that that's okay and that that's normal and that I will be asked to do things that are beyond my scope of knowledge that I'll either have to figure out on the fly or just say, Hey, I'm not sure, but let me look into this. That, that to me was like this weight off my shoulders, um, less pressure in clinic, which can be really stressful, especially like during an evaluation, for example. So, you know, if I were to thank you guys for having me on that podcast a couple months ago, it would, it would mainly be for having me kind of voice that. And then, um, using that podcast, I guess, as fuel to double down on it. And I think people appreciate that, like that honesty. And I think what we've seen in, we'll keep it to the physio space, but I'm sure this happens in everywhere is like, people will slap some label on it that we probably do know that that's not the one reason why your shoulder isn't getting better today. And we kind of use it as a simplistic way. And instead of saying like, what you said is like, well, I don't exactly know, but here's what we do know in terms of how you're presenting with things and the information that we have and like focus on what we do know and how we can take the principles that we have around this particular injury and theorize how we could get out of this. Right. And, and I think being able to, like you said, give up the, um, the pressure on yourself to not, to not have the answers for everything is good. And I think you would also agree with this is that it's probably, well, for me anyway, I won't put words in your mouth. It's probably, it's led me to be more curious and continuing to grow my knowledge base by then being like, okay, I don't necessarily know this. How can I look into it? Um, so that I can maybe the next time have a better idea of how to handle this situation for the next person that comes. Um, and, and I think taking that approach of the, I don't know when you actually don't know, um, can allow for you to have a lot of growth in knowledge in any realm. You nailed it. And yeah, I I would literally echo everything you said there. And I probably didn't, my thoughts probably didn't come out the way that I wanted them to most notably about that shoulder example, but yeah, that that's exactly it. And it's, it's only inspired me to learn more. And it's only opened up, you know, it's only led to me writing more notes on my laptop. I have little sticky notes on my laptop of like more things that I want to read about or like another book or another research paper or another website blog or whatever it is. So that you, you don't create those opportunities if you think you know it all because that, you know, the answer to the question, oh yeah, I have the answer. Boom, that door is shut. I don't believe that there is anything more for me to explore there. And I think, you know, just as well as I do that, there's always more to explore <laughs> in any realm, in any topic, in any genre, in any profession. There is always another door to open up and peek your head around and see, oh man, like <laughs> I didn't know this was a part of um, physio or owning a business or whatever it is. Yeah. What um, I, I know you like to, to read outside of like the current, you know, let's say scope of practice. Um, but what are, what are some things you, you've been exploring lately, you know, in your life, whether it be a particular like topic, you know, maybe it's a hobby, something like that. Mm -hmm. I have been trying to read more. (laughs) I I try. It's not easy at the end of long days. Um, But uh, what's something that I've been exploring more of? Um, It's probably a function of of the pandemic, uh, mainly, but just trying to get outside more. And like, you know, I grew up in Montreal, I, I lived in the suburbs, now I live closer to the city. And I feel like I just haven't like explored this place and like got to know it. And like when people come to town to visit and they're like, what should we do? Like, I'm like a deer in headlights. I'm like, well, I don't know. We could go to my favorite restaurant or my favorite this or that. Um, So definitely getting outside more, but you know, on the topic of maybe learning and growth, um, I'm definitely trying to just read um, and experience as much as I can outside of the areas where I feel like, you know, I'm, like outside of the health and fitness and, and whatever world. Um, th- there is a baseline of, of reading that I do every week about physio and, and, and fitness and hypertrophy and all that stuff, but just trying to see like what other people, again, I'll use the Twitter example. I, I love Twitter. I think it's the greatest platform in the world. I, They've been I dropping like, Twitter like crazy. I'm not, I'm I'm not like, on Twitter. Well, I consume Twitter. I don't really mm-hmm. tweet a lot, but I, I agree with yeah. you. I think it's a good place to like, there's some people I follow on there where I, I definitely go to it to read what yeah. they tweet. Yeah. The, the, there, there's so much free knowledge there that it's, it's like, I can't imagine that anyone wouldn't like spend some free time on Twitter, but I know like, I guess Twitter or wherever else it is. I, 
I, I've realized that being more well-rounded in terms of my knowledge um, and in terms of my experiences has also helped in becoming like a better team leader or director. Um, I think just like knowing more about things in general is helpful. Um, it allows you to partake in more conversations. It allows you to connect with people differently because you can connect with them on their interests, not only on my like three or four interests, for example. Um, so just exposing myself to just more stuff out there. Mainly I would say the marketing realm is where I've kind of spent the most amount of time. I am so fascinated by it. Um, I don't know why, and I didn't realize this. I just, and I remembered this the other day in grade nine or 10, we had to do a career fair project. And one of my, uh, I, I don't know, someone reminded me the other day that I had chose um, marketing or marketer as, as that project. Um, I don't remember how I did on it. I don't remember a single word that I wrote about it, but in grade nine, grade like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, that was on my mind. Um, and then I had never thought about it again. And then most recently, like the last two years, I've had to learn more about marketing and the psychology behind it and understanding why mission, vision, values, and, and brand and all that stuff is important. And um, your, your podcast with Will and the Movement Maestro was incredible. And I listened to it twice because there was just, there were so many like golden, like knowledge nuggets or whatever, whatever that term is for that. Um, so yeah, learning about marketing, learning how it's just, it's, it's a science, learning how marketing is, in my opinion, it's everything. Um, and people don't like the word marketing, but I, I refer to it as like a story. Every business or every good business has a story behind it. Um, and I think every physio and every clinic needs to have a story behind it so that someone, ideally your target market, can identify with that story and see themselves as the protagonist or as the hero in that story. And it's I think it's then and only then that we can truly help people is when they identify with what we're offering them and that they can be a part of the story as opposed to this story is going on and they're kind of just on the periphery of it and they're benefiting from some of it, but not really. So yeah, long-winded answer to your question. I would say the final answer, marketing is really what I have, what I have gone into lately. Um, Daniel Pink's To Sell as Human is the oh, book I'm that's on that my nightstand. Right it's on my nightstand right now. I, I am supposed to start it tonight. This will be my... Um, it, it's official. I'm going to start the book tonight. If I don't, <laughs> you can follow up with me in a few weeks, but it's on the podcast now. So I'm going to get into that tonight because I've heard it's a game changer. It's I've heard book. it's an incredible book. Um, I'd love to chat about it with you after once I've, once I've got through it, hopefully this year. Um, so yeah. What about you, man? What, what, what's, what's your I, mind on lately? I feel like, uh, no, that's good. I agree with a lot. I agree with everything that you, you said there. Um, because I think there's a lot of transferable skills or information from understanding the psychology of marketing um, and what kind of gets people to respond to certain things that can then come into, you know, how we operate in our profession. And I think you can definitely, I've learned the most about how I can be successful in my current profession from outside of the physio space. And, and obviously the core knowledge is super important and we have to stay competent on that. Like I'm not disregarding that, but in terms of like furthering things, like definitely taking bits out from psychology and philosophy and marketing and business and all that stuff has definitely helped me not only grow the business that I have, but also be super su successful with the clients that I work with. So I, I definitely agree with like exploring outside of that. But with regards to mine, I'm, I'm currently reading the, the same book that you just mentioned, but um, I would say one of the I read a lot. So one of the books that I just read not that long ago was Talking Strangers or Talking with Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, and I love all of his books, but it, it's really, um, it's a really interesting book to kind of open your eyes to how we're not at, as good as we think at reading people and how um, miscommunicating um, with strangers can lead to situations that can be not good. For example, you know, seen some of the, like the shootings that happen and with police officers, they talk about that a lot in the book and like sexual assault and all that kind of stuff. He, he dives into like the nuances of how we do a bad job of um, reading strangers. And, and it's funny because I'll, I'll read in the book. I'm like, I always said, Oh, you know, like I'm pretty good at reading people, but then you go through this book and you're like, ah, no, maybe it's not something that we're as intuitively good at as we think. So that was, that was one of my, my recent reads, but um, 
I also like to just stay up to date with like the culture in ways. Like I watch a lot of like what the younger kids try to watch these days, just so I feel like I can stay up with it. Like I'm not on TikTok, but like I, you know, I watch like Logan Paul and I watch some other YouTubers just to kind of stay with it so that I can have some conversations with some of the younger generation now, even though I'm only 20, I don't know, what am I, 28, I think, 27. You're losing it. Um, Yeah, yeah, man. I think you and I are, are, are very similar in a lot of ways. And that's, that's definitely one of them. And that connecting with strangers thing is like, that's something that I could talk about all day as well. I haven't read that book, but um, a friend of mine and I, we were, we were chatting today during a little workout and we were saying um, it's, it's not easy to read people and to read personalities. And I think anecdotally, um, I have a tendency to assume that the person I meet either has a similar personality to myself or has a different personality. Um, And there's like this, it's weird. There's like this fixed personality that I assume anyone I encounter has. I I, like just my brain automatically assumes like every single person I meet has the same personality and needs to be interacted with in a similar way. And it can almost be um, confronting in a sense when you just like interact with them with the way you think you need to. And you realize their personality is totally not receptive to theirs or theirs or theirs or how I interact with that person. And it's, um, he and I agree today that like we take for granted what it, you know, how we, I guess we take for granted the idea that, yeah, we can connect with anyone on any topic at any time. I think it takes a lot more work than that. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of the reading that it sounds like you're doing and even with watching Logan Paul and all the TikTok stuff or not on TikTok, but all the other YouTube stuff is I think you are trying to get a sense of what their personalities might be like and how to connect with Mm. them and how to reach that like mutual understanding, which I think is, it's incredibly valuable. And like, maybe it sounds silly, but it's important to know like what your target market is, is watching on online or what they do on a Saturday night or what their hobbies or interests are. Um, Cause they're definitely not the same as yours, even though they're only a few years removed. Um, and they're not going to be the same as like the next young generation that comes around in five years, because I look at the people five years older than me and I'm into way different things than they are. Yeah. So um, that, but that's being a good clinician and a good business owner or a director or a manager. It's your, your, I think a lot of the, Um, responsibility is finding ways to connect with both your clients as well as your team members and like figuring out what makes this person tick and how can I leverage that to elevate them and to make them feel like they came into work today and went home feeling re-energized or came into the clinic and went home feeling like I'm in good hands and I trust this person because rapport is everything with everyone. Yeah, no, it's a good point because I think one of the things that I really try to do or have tried to be better at um, and I find super interesting is try to understand how other people view the world. Um, and that's kind of what I'm doing with a lot of the stuff, whether it be this, for example, this podcast, it's like, that's the reason why I, I want to have conversations with a bunch of people is like, try to really understand how other people are viewing the world. Because what I've come to learn is even someone who's as close to you as like my own brother, who we're probably very similar and, and have had similar experiences has a completely different view of the world and how I may interpret a certain situation in our lives. He can interpret completely different. Um, and it's been super, I always find it super interesting to try to figure out or put myself in other people's shoes to kind of understand how they're seeing things. Um, and, and that's probably why I like watching or consuming, you know, other people that are different than me or having different experiences. So I can try to understand how they see things. For sure. Look, every time I say something and it takes me 20 minutes to get it out, you seem to summarize it within 30 seconds. And I'm like, oh, I wish I said it exactly like that. So <laughs> I totally agree with you. And it's, it's exactly that. It's seeing how other people interpret the world around us because we, we experience, we, we live the same thing, but the experience is different. Um, and the way we experience it is based on all of our other previous experiences. So we'll never know exactly what someone has been through and and what I need to do to get through to them. But we have to appreciate that the way they're interpreting the same thing that's going on in front of us is differently. Um, and I think, I mean, that's, that's the best part about this. And I, I had a friend a couple weeks ago, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if just like a few people got together and just like spoke about the world? He's like, what are you talking about? But I'm like, it's literally this, it's literally having a conversation with someone to see how they interpret 
what goes on around them because there's so much you can learn just from how they experience things and interpret things. And I think there's so much value to add. And I probably sound like an absolute kook right now on this thing, but I, I, I fully, fully agree with you. And, and I think we, there is so much we can learn from each other. There's just not enough time to do it. And yeah, um, it's whether it's reading more or reading tweets or blogs or whatever it is, I think we need to take advantage of time that we spend with people to get to know them and their thoughts and their lived experiences um, because it'll only help us grow. And the more we grow, the more we can help others grow. Totally, man. Humans are crazy creatures. <laughs> crazy creatures. <laughs> but, uh, crazy creatures. Why don't we, uh, why don't we wrap up? Cause I could talk about this stuff for the rest of my life. Um, and I, and we all don't have that much time. Word. So, um, why don't we wrap up and just let people know where you can find, where they can find you, uh, on Instagram. Cause I know you're putting out some, some good stuff over there. Appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. So I'm on my own Instagram account, physio.jess. Um, and then <laughs> you'll see, I repost from the four other accounts that I manage right now as well. Uh, it's a good time. Got to get ahead on my content calendar as, uh, as some people close to me would say. Um, and then I've also tried to dive into the Twitter world lately. Um, I've been tweeting a little bit about there. I try and find like this intersection of fitness slash rehab slash like optimization slash like startup culture in a way. Um, and you can, you know, you can check out the tweets and let me know if you think I actually do that. But I like to take business or startup type terminology and relate it back to the health and wellness world. I, I didn't see anyone else doing it. So I was like, why not? Um, I'm a little, a little dormant on there right now, but I, I plan on getting back into it very soon if anyone uh, checks it out. Cool. Jess, thanks so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. And I also appreciate your support on this podcast, the feedback you've given to me coming on, taking the time to have this conversation. Um, I appreciate it. And I hope to make it up to Montreal at some point here to one, see your beautiful space to consume copious amounts of Montreal smoked meat um, and probably deadlift. <laughs> uh, Dalton, I love it. Can't wait to have you, man. Thanks a lot. Eh?